What's up, everybody? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. I'm joined today by my best friend, Ryan Lewis, music executive producer of the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, man? Good to be here. I'm lo- loving the Grinch shirt, by the way. Got to be up there as the, I think I'd say it's probably my favorite Christmas movie. This is the cartoon version, which I just saw. I just actually haven't, yeah, I haven't seen that version of that one i've only seen the original cartoon one but i heard that one's pretty good too yeah nothing's ever gonna beat jim carrey we can say that right now and nothing's nothing's ever going to beat my mustache which you commented on right before yeah yeah no it's a great looking mustache you explained how it started with the dodgers winning the world series carried it over into my wedding so no wedding wedding i do think only good things happen with with the uh with the mustache it was actually your wedding first obviously i had to clean up for the wedding and then took it right. straight into the World Series, and we're December 15th now, still rocking it. Hey, I like it. All right. So good ep- vibes only. Yeah, good vibes only. Episode 47 of the podcast, if I could think of a couple players off the top of my head. Howie Kendrick, you know him. He wore number 47. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, I, uh, Andre Karolinko, AK-47. That's why we oh, all remember AK-47, yeah. And yeah, then for call. football, I could only come up with John Lynch. Oh, hey, look, that's, that's, not a, that's not a bad person at all. John Lynch. Great player, turning out to be a great executive as well. So good pull by you. I've never been good with the jersey number. Unless they're like a player from a team that I really followed, like Kobe. If someone was like 24, like, oh, Kobe or eight or whatever. But like, I've never been good with the jersey number association. Or like Tom Brady, TV 12. Yeah, uh, that's that's, what, that's what's funny about like the numbers. Because last week, episode 46, I was like, holy hell, who wore number 46? I only threw out Alfred Morris. Because he shit on me. Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris. Wow. I drafted him one year and he shit the bed every single game. Wow. Yeah, that sounds awful. But let's get into the NFL. A big week, week 14. There were some terrific games starting with on Monday night, Ravens and Browns. Going into it, who did you have and who did you think needed this win more? Well, I guess needed it more was definitely the Ravens yeah. because they're in a position where as good as everyone thought and the expectations that we had for them entering the season, they're definitely sort of in a back against the wall to stay in the playoff hunt. So they needed it. Uh, I definitely thought the Browns were going to win uh, just based off of what I'd seen from the Browns this year and where the Ravens were sort of at. You know, they had the weird COVID thing over a few weeks and they hadn't been playing their best football up to this point. But uh, yeah, I, I you know, they still, with their offense and Lamar Jackson, have a way of playing certain teams based off of matchups to where it doesn't really matter if they're not playing well going into it. If Lamar Jackson can run for over 100 yards and make some dynamic plays, they're still a really tough team to stop. Yeah, and even though I wanted the Browns too, but you d- even though the Browns have looked so good this year, you still didn't yeah. feel great about it. I know. I know. It's so tough. I mean, I was very reluctant to be like, oh, the Browns are actually a good team. And then, of course, look, I wouldn't say they disappointed last night because it was a great game. They were right in it up until the end. Um, But, you know, once you finally start to buy in, of course, they end up losing to a division rival. At least it wasn't a total blowout like when they played the Ravens earlier this year, which was embarrassing. Yeah. And that fourth quarter was amazing i mean they were literally trading blows like a heavyweight fight which is what everyone is saying right now browns were down 34 20 at one point 
go up 35-34. That's when Trace McSorley came in because either Lamar Jackson was <laughs> taking a dump or he actually had cramps. He said he wasn't pulling a Paul Pierce. He comes back into the game on that fourth down that McSorley got hurt on, the two-minute warning, and then throws the dart to Hollywood Brown. Ravens go up 42-35, and then the Browns deliver again to tie the game. Ravens get it back. Obviously, field goal range for Justin Tucker at this point is 55 and, I mean, even 58. And he nails it. And then, obviously, the big safety at the end screwed a lot of betters over. But the Ravens come away with a 47-42 victory and covered three-and-a-half points spread. Yeah, no, I know. The the interesting thing about that game that I saw was, you know, there there was a stretch during the middle of the season. Well, the whole talking point coming into the year was like, oh, new head coach, new management for the Browns. How do they really feel about Baker Mayfield? And I, I never thought Baker Mayfield was, like, as good as some people may have tried to give him credit for in his first year in the league. I just think people had such low expectation for the Browns because they'd won one game in two seasons that seeing them actually win a few games was like, oh, wow, look at him. But I also never really thought his job status was on the line. But I think after what we've seen the past couple of weeks, even in last night's loss or the week prior to when they got the win over the Titans, clearly Baker Mayfield is good enough for him to earn a long-term deal and to remain with the Browns. I don't think that he's ever going to be living up to the expectations of what you would think a true number one overall pick would be just because it's so hard to do. Right. Especially with some of his contemporaries around him. Like he'll never be uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, even the same year, like I don't even know if he'll ever have the same success as like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's already won an MVP. If I had to bet, I wouldn't bet that Baker Mayfield would ever win a regular season MVP. So when you compare him to some of the other young quarterbacks, he may not have the talent of them, but this idea that they were going to cut bait and start all over, I think is very clearly not going to happen. And he is going to be the quarterback of the future for the Browns. Yeah. And I thought it was a telltale sign last night, how he was able to trade points when falling behind. That's what probably the Browns wanted to see because they're a run heavy team. And when they needed points at the end of that game, throwing the football, and even when he ran that touchdown in, he can make things happen outside of just handing the football off or staying in the pocket. And that's because I, I put him in the same tier as Ryan Tannehill. Because that might yeah. be, that going into this week, that was going to be a playoff matchup. And it really came down to who can you trust between Tannehill and Baker Mayfield. Obviously, we saw the Browns annihilate the Titans, but I think that could go either way if they actually meet up again. And which quarterback are you willing to trust in that situation? No, totally. That, that's actually Ryan Tannehill's a great comparison in terms of like, you know, in Miami, his career was so up and down. And now in Tennessee, he's having so much success and he's playing so much better. And it largely has to do with sort of the talent that's around you, right? Like there's certain guys, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, I think we all believe it. We do at some point have to see it because right now he is surrounded with so much talent. But there's some guys that you know, Andrew Luck is another good example, that are so good that regardless of how good or not good the talent is around them, you can still sort of see the talents there. The rest of the NFL, it's pretty dependent, you know? I mean, Kirk Cousins, sometimes he's awesome, and if the talent around him is really awesome and he has a run game, great. But if you're asking Kirk Cousins to drop back and throw 48 times a game, you're probably not going to like the results, which is a lot like Baker Mayfield. Uh, You know, I think when they have the great running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and, you know, even last night you saw, they, as you said, they're going point for point with the Ravens. It's really their defense that let them down. Now, I know the pick six wasn't great from Baker, and, you know, you 
if you do the simple math, if they don't get the pick six, then they end up winning that game. I get that. But, like, you're going to turn the ball over at some point. And really what ended up letting them down was the defense. I mean, if you're a quarterback and you go and you take your team down the field and you take the lead with that little of time left, I mean, it was like a minute something left, yeah. you'd hope that if your defense just gets a couple of stops, you win the game. I mean, so I, I'm with you. I, I think Baker Mayfield really proved a lot last night. Exactly. So the Browns go to 9-4. and four. They're obvious. I think they're a playoff team. The Ravens, a huge win going to 8-5. and five. They're on the... I think they're, they could be a seventh seed at this point with the Raiders loss. But I want to jump yeah. to the game that I was really looking forward to this weekend. I said it on last week's podcast. I said at this point in time, you do not bet against the Kansas City Chiefs because if they're down in the game, you feel like they could come back. When they need to score points, they always score points. And actually, when they need a timely turnover, they also do that too, even though a couple of weeks this season, they have not covered. And you know what they say, good teams win, great teams cover. <laughs> F the Kansas City Chiefs. And this one in the fourth quarter, if you had it either way, if you were betting the Dolphins plus seven and a half or the Chiefs minus seven and a half, you got screwed. Because at the end of that game, the Chiefs could have put it away, and they actually did kick a field goal, which put them ahead, and then Tua Tungavailoa gets the ball, and they end up kicking a field goal to make it a one-possession game, and there it goes. Hey, Tua covers, man. No, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I was definitely watching this game for Tua. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, we know he's great. The Chiefs, we know they're great. How great are they this year compared to last year? You know, it'll sort of keep playing out, but... The Tua thing was interesting because so much of his NFL career to this point, the wins, we give quarterbacks a ton of credit. Yeah. But so much of the Dolphins' wins have been plays on special teams and on defense. And I thought Tua actually did a good job. You know, he, he's not the type, he's seeing him on the field at the same time, side by side with Patrick Mahomes, they're like two totally different players. Patrick Mahomes is going to do stuff. Every game, every quarter, almost every series where it's just like, you're like, whoa, that guy is crazy talented. Tua's much more methodical with like, he's never going to be the fastest guy on the field. He has a good deep ball, but he doesn't have some wow arm that just like shocks you. He's just super accurate. He's smart with how he plays. And I think he showed up well against a good Kansas City defense. Um, and then with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I am. It's really tough. I'm with you. You never want to bet against them, especially the way things played out last year where they were down in every playoff game and down double digits and ended up coming back and sometimes winning those games by a convincing margin. So it's really hard to bet against them. When you look at the numbers and see how bad they've been in the red zone, not just the entire season, but specifically like the last three last, to four yeah. games, they've just been getting so sloppy that you're like, I, I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I believe in the Chiefs. But at some point, I would like them to just tighten it up a little bit. And instead of keeping these teams in games, like you talked about with the Dolphins, it was a two-possession game, and then they kind of let their flat foot off the gas, and then the Dolphins end up making it somewhat close. I mean, the game was never really in doubt. It was mostly just the spread that you were talking about. But you would like to see them as good and as talented as we all think that they should be right now as the defending Super Bowl champs and as healthy as they've been for the most part, that they would be winning these games by 10-plus points every time. And they end up being a lot more competitive than you would expect. And early on, the Dolphins, like you said, they went up 10-0 because they forced yeah. two. Patrick Mahomes, their three interceptions in this game, which yeah. you rarely ever see. But it comes back to the point, whoever's beating the Chiefs, and they're my Super Bowl pick to go back-to-back -back this year, whoever's beating them has to score points. And like you said, Tua and that offense, I think – 
they this is the first time they scored over 20 points in the last three weeks with Tua and defenses get soft at the end of games when you need you need points on one side and Tua they just they they didn't have it any any team that's going to beat the Chiefs I think they need that quarterback that obviously no one's on the level of Patrick Mahomes but I am telling you right now if there is a sports boner to be had it will be Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers going toe-to-toe in the Super Bowl. That's the kind of quarterback and offense that can go head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes. Guys that can extend the field, throw it wherever they want to whoever they want. That's going to be the matchup because they turned Patrick Mahomes over three times. But on the other side of the ball, they just didn't have enough. And you said Tua played well, but he threw the ball 48 times. I don't think that's what the recipe on that team. Uh, And I... Man, it just, I really wanted the offense to cover this game. I said take the Chiefs, but they didn't cover anyways. Yeah, no, no. But the, uh, the Packers and the Chiefs matchup would be interesting because we've seen where the Packers have struggled at times this year is with super physical teams, right? So it's like they lost to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers have a great run defense, great defensive line, sort of made things uncomfortable for the Packers when they were on offense. Aaron Rodgers turning the ball over uncharacteristically. When they lost to the Colts, Colts have a great defense, great offensive line. Uh, They got physical, and the thing with the Packers, they had the lead in that game and then ended up blowing it. Um, And then also with the, uh, they lost to the Vikings, Vikings, great running team. So, with that matchup against the Chiefs, the thing that would be interesting is the Chiefs aren't a great running team. They just, you know, they like to draw yeah. back with Pat Mahomes and air it out. And Chiefs have a good defense. I don't, I don't know if they're as great as we maybe thought that they would be compared to their improvement last year to this year. But they're still a very good defense. They have some defensive playmakers on the def- on the line, and so it would be interesting to see with Patrick Mahomes. The main thing that the Packers have struggled with is running the ball. Well, they're not, they want to air it out with Pat Mahomes, and the Packers actually have a decent secondary. They have some young players that do well. So I'd love to see how they match up. And then on the same side of it, the Packers have the highest scoring offense in the league right now. So it would just hopefully be one of those similar to what we saw last night. Hopefully it's like a 45 42 that just comes down to the whoever has the ball last. Maybe similar to what we saw with the uh, Eagle Patriots Super Bowl, where, uh, the Eagles never punted, and they just ended up the strip sack and ending it with uh, Tom Brady. That's that's my kind of Super Bowl. The other game yeah. I wanted to talk about was Tampa Bay coming off a of bye week. A lot of people were making saying this is the most important bye week. Tampa Bay needs to clean it up. They looked lackadaisical. They just haven't looked great with all that talent around. And I was wondering if Bruce Arians going to kind of change things, let Tom Brady take control of the offense. They won the game. They covered. They won 26-14. Vikings actually should have won this game but Dan Bailey four missed field goals seven missed field goals over the two weeks I don't know does he still have a job as we speak today uh I think he technically is still on the Vikings as of now I'm I wouldn't be surprised if that changes any minute but yeah it's an interesting game you actually uh bring that one up I had tweeted and I got into a little bit of a back and forth with that and some guy who I think is just a random Buccaneers fan but uh he I I had said if not for a couple questionable calls in Dan Bailey, the Vikings should absolutely be winning this game. And he's like, oh, questionable calls. And we got this whole back and forth about that end of half PI call that they called for 
Gronkowski when he was uh, yeah. they did like that Hail Mary at the end of the half. Yeah. And I was like, they never call that in the NFL. And he's like, well, rules are rules. I'm like, get out of here, dude. Everybody knows. End of half, end of game, Hail Mary, they just let it go. Because they know dudes are all pushing on each other and you can't tell if it's offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference. So for a Buccaneers offense that has struggled to get itself on the same page and figure out, like, what's their identity? Are we going to try and work in the run game, abandon the run game? Do we push the ball downfield? Do we do what Tom Brady likes, which is, you know, these short underneath routes? How's this whole thing going to work? I mean, they clearly won the game. But for what you would consider the Buccaneers hope to be one of the best teams in the NFC right now and a, and a Vikings team that's struggling to make the playoffs and probably at this point, given that loss, won't make the playoffs, it should have been a lot closer than what the final score would tell you. So I guess if you're the Buccaneers, you feel good about getting the win and, you know, Tom Brady will just say all the right things at the podium. But I don't I didn't see anything in that game that really had me convinced that, you know, they took the bye week to sort of hash out their differences and find out what their success is going to be. I think that if anything, the more questions are still left unanswered. Yeah, and the one stat you could take away from that game is why the Buccaneers probably ended up winning is they had the ball for 39 minutes total, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Brady went 15 of 23, 196 yards, two touchdowns, so they're only throwing the ball 23 times. I think Ronald Jones only had 80 yards rushing. They don't have a dynamic back. Why they went out and got Leonard Fournette and he's a healthy scratch, who the hell knows? But that questionable call, who doesn't want to see Tom Brady in the playoffs? As much as I hate Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, them in the playoffs, I'm all for. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I do think that getting the, the Buccaneers getting into the playoffs is good for everyone. Now, what I hope for is that the Buccaneers get into the playoffs and then lose in painstaking fashion so we can just break down every angle on how much do him and Bruce Arians hate each other and is Bruce Arians going to have to step away at the end of the year. But uh, I, I, can't wait, uh, I can't wait for that. It certainly would be much better for them to make it to the playoffs. The last game I want to talk about is the Sunday night game. It was absolutely boring in the first half. I, I was trying to go the entire week without cracking a beer, but I cracked a beer by the end of the second quarter because I was like, what is going on here? Then in the second half, Big Ben obviously threw that pick six at the end of the first half. Bills go up 9-7. Second half, Stephon Diggs went off, which is, I think, might be one of the most important signings or trades this offseason because Josh Allen has a guy to go to. Diggs went 10 for 130 and a touchdown. The Bills win pretty handedly 26-15. to do you trust the Bills? Right now, they're 10-3. and three. They're sitting pretty at the top of the AFC East. They're going to win that division. Do you trust the Bills to even make a run in the postseason? Because, I don't know, their defense has been up and down. I said it last week. They allowed 16 points per game last year. This year, they're up to 25 points per game. And we all know yeah, the Steelers can't run the football. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I do trust them just because I struggle to see who else would really match up well with them. I do. It is a problem. You would be concerned about their defense being this up and down, but their offense has proven to consistently be able to put up points. And I'm not always a huge fan of the, well, if this happened, then that, you know, but yeah. they are a Hail Mary away from being a two loss team and among the best record in the entire league. So if you take that into account, their offense has proven to be able to put up points on just about anyone that they play. What's up? But I ask you this. Is that a team that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? That's what it comes down to. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think 
like I said, they're the Steelers. So you you, th- you think if they were in the Dolphins' position, if they turn Mahomes over three times, they would actually be able to come back yeah. and win that game? Oh yeah, definitely, hundred percent. I think if they had that many turnovers, then they would be able to have produced more points. And uh, the the thing with the Bills is. I know that the Steelers' defense is slowly regressing because of injuries, and um, but they're still a really good defense. Now, instead of being potentially the league's best, they may be closer to a top five, top six defense. And I know that they kind of bottled them up a little bit in the first half, but they moved the ball well, and it showed in the second half that you know Stephon Diggs can make plays against really strong secondaries. So... I feel as though with how sloppy the Chiefs have looked, I feel confident that the Bills are definitely a team to look out for come the postseason. And what did you take away from the Steelers? Because obviously now they've lost two straight after going 11-0, and they really, I said it, but I cannot stress it enough, they cannot run the damn football. And we're looking at a lot of these teams now, especially the Titans who could run the football, Browns who could run the football. That's going to play in January. What do the Steelers do? Yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing. Um, I We had uh, Trent Dilfer on the show yesterday. Love Dilfer. Super, Love uh, Dilfer. Yeah, Dilfer. Yeah, great guy. Um, he's super doom and gloom about the entire Steelers' offensive identity and the way they approach the game and their play calling in terms of being able to run the ball and their personnel and their inability to fix it in season. So I tend to side with him that I'm not sure there is an easy, quick fix, which does mean bad news. Because I think for them, if you look at where they are now versus where they were earlier in the season, the balance between teams having to at least respect the run game and then being able to lighten the load a little bit on Big Ben, it helped bring a dynamic to their team to where they could get the ball in their playmakers' hands, whether it was Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, I think that that created enough of a balance to where their passing offense could help carry the load for a lack of run defense because people still respected it. Now we're like in uh, – man, I pulled it for today's show, but I can't remember. But it's like the past like six or seven weeks, they have one game rushing for over 100 yards – and they have like four rushing for less than 50. Like it's bad. So now teams are game planning. They don't even respect the run. They're just like, whatever, if they break off a run, so be it. But what we're not gonna do is let Big Ben beat us. So they have Big Ben dropping back like 45 times a game and teams are just dropping DBs into coverage, just keeping Claypool, keeping Juju Smith-Schuster, keeping these guys in front of them and just saying, sure, we'll let you you know, throw a little five yard out. And if you complete it, cool. But eventually you're going to have to go for a chunk play or eventually you're going to have to try and run the ball. And if we just don't bite, then you won't be able to produce enough offense on us. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they play because their defense is another defense that a lot of people last year, obviously they were out of this world with forcing turnovers and I know they've had a couple of key injuries, Bud Dupree. They still have T.J. Watt, but that defense is going to have to carry the load in the playoffs, and they've been pretty good. So maybe, maybe they could get something going. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not totally jumping off the Steelers um, completely, but I'm going to need to see some. You know, the thing that's going to be hard is 
they're going to go up against uh, my unfortunate, my team, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are just so awful now, especially since losing Joe Burrow, <laughs> that we're going to do this thing where we're super low on the Steelers offense. And then they're going to play an awful team like the Bengals and they're going to score like 35 or 42. And we're going to be like, oh, everything's cool. And they'll probably run for like 150 yards and be like, oh, my gosh, everything's fixed. Everything's great. And it's going to be like, no, not really. They still have some serious problems. Last thing on the NFL, the MVP discussion through, I think, the first 10 weeks, it was hot potato. We were giving it to everyone, Russell Wilson, yeah. Josh Allen. I said Mahomes had it in the bag. He threw those three interceptions. Rodgers has a phenomenal game against the Detroit Lions. Is the conversation back open, and will it really come down to if Rodgers gets the one seed in the NFC, if Mahomes has the one seed in the AFC, who's going to get it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's open in terms of there's just two people really at this point, and it is just down to Rodgers and Mahomes. Um, man, it's really tough. I do, I do think it the Chiefs Saints game. I think it's this week or yeah, is it it's, next week, it's this but week. Um, so that's really going to determine a lot. Uh, I think if Pat Mahomes has a you know, four touchdown game, 300 yards plus, that's going to take the, the it's going to vault him into that top spot. And then I'm not sure if Rodgers is going to have a big primetime game of that magnitude against a opponent that good that he'll be able to retake it. Um, I'd put Rodgers slightly ahead of Mahomes right now, just based off of what he's been able to do and what they've been able to accomplish based off of not having as good of a defense and I don't really get the lack of weapons thing. I just think they're different. I mean, I think Devontae Adams is awesome. I think Aaron Jones is awesome. Um, I just think that they have a different makeup than the chiefs where everyone just goes like, Oh man, Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. And like, all those guys are awesome. They are great. They do it in a more flashy way. Andy Reid's offense is so, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Totally. So I, I do think if Mahomes shows out in a big way, against the saints um then that'll probably end up getting him the mvp but for right now i give rogers the edge i think we should all be talking about the offensive player of the year because i think there's a lot of dudes who could get that travis kelsey a lot of people think it should go to him derrick henry out of this world this week he rushed for over 200 yards two touchdowns at the fourth time in his career he's done that jim brown ladanian thomas and barry sanders in their career did it three times each Derrick Henry sits alone. I love watching Derrick Henry run the football. And you could also say DK Metcalf, who's had a monster year. Stephon Diggs. I mean, there's a lot of dudes who go win Offensive Player of the Year. I don't know how you feel about that. But I think it's Travis Kelsey or Derrick Henry's award. And I think yeah, Derrick won I mean, it last year. Yeah, that, that's tough. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at it a little closer. I'm not sure if Stephon Diggs has the raw numbers to warrant actually being it but when you mentioned earlier you know the big moves that have had a huge impact on the season as a whole I mean he is certainly up there just in terms of value and what he's done to help bring that offense and open it up into a more dynamic offense Um, but I would agree with you I think I think if Travis Kelsey can lead the league in receiving yards and be within the top few spots in receiving touchdowns as a tight end i'd probably give it to him yeah no tight end's Um, ever done it so yeah so that that seems like it's quite an accomplishment but the 
what Derrick Henry does, and it's it's what causes me to have doubt about the Tennessee Titans because they don't have a great defense this year. They're actually like one of the worst defenses on third down and in the red zone, which is never a good thing. Um, So what he's able to do to sort of keep that offense moving forward and what that means to the team as a whole, I would probably have to put him as a close second. And bravo, hey, bravo, a running back signing to an extension. And it, does, it looks like a good thing. Looks like a good I mean, no, thing. Christian McCaffrey, man. I mean, I, like, he was always healthy, never injured, a dual threat, doing stuff that we had, like, almost never really seen in terms of total touches, running the ball, catching the ball, receiving yards, rushing yards, touchdowns across the board. I mean, was awesome and then now he literally cannot stay on the field this year it's it's unfortunate and that whole 30 minutes of this podcast you were a giant square and i was a little square right up above and that's how it's going to be on youtube but hey you're the prettier guy here so i'm not mad about it but now i got a side by side I, got I need to it. turn on a light because it's getting dark in here yeah so you look like so. you're in a black hole but man did i botch that well it's I'm right. botching it because fun. I didn't turn a light on and it's getting super dark in here and I can't see. So, hey, this is what we do. We just keep it rolling forward. You know what I mean? Keep it rolling. We're there. Thir- we go. We're, there you oh. go. There you go. All right. Now, now All we right. figure it out. 30 minutes into the podcast, you get a light. Now we're side by side looking pretty as ever. Now All we're right. going to talk about the NBA. That's why I brought you on. We had a heat. <laughs> we had a heated discussion last week because every <laughs> single year the NBA or ESPN does their top 100 players ranking and it's only a thing because they usually put someone ahead of a few players and there's an uproar about it and man did you have an uproar calling Zion Williamson overrated and he's only overrated because people like ESPN like to do that just for dudes like you oh I took the bait I took the bait so hard yeah Yeah, they had him what was at 19 so that put him that put him in the top 20 discussion which put him over players like Bradley Beal um, Paul George yeah, Paul George. And look. Carl Anthony Towns, they throw them in there. I like Zion Williamson. I like his demeanor. I think he has the potential to be a really good, impactful player in the NBA. But my understanding, the criteria for the list is who are the top players in the NBA right now? Meaning, what do we think that they have already done and what will they be doing in the very near future as we are about to start another new season? And saying that Zion Williamson is a top 20 player is absolutely absurd. He, I get it. We all like him. He's got a great personality. He went to Duke. He's got that, you know, he's got that it factor where just the way he plays and he's got this crazy football player build, but he's like super explosive. But I got to tell you what, he is not in today's NBA. You are going to get so much more value and such a greater impact with a player like a Bradley Beal. And I don't even like Paul George. Paul George bugs me to no end. Paul George, the guy and what he's done in his career and the things that he says bugs me so much. But there is no way you can convince me that Zion Williamson is a better NBA player right now than Paul George or Bradley Beal. It's just, and even Carl Anthony Towns, I'm like, the guy hasn't won anything and he's been on a totally irrelevant Timberwolves team. But in terms of versatility, 
being able to create his own shot, the having range on his shot, and being able to be a better defensive player than Zion right now, it's not even close. All right, so he came in 19th on this list. Right. We saw him last year, obviously he got hurt, so it took him a while to come back. And then when he came back, they had training wheels on him. They never actually let him do what he does. I mean, he was on a minute. Because he wasn't in shape. It wasn't because for any other reason. No, but it's tough to get back into shape when you're injured. And plus, take into account what happened in 2020. But how, but how good did he look when he was actually on the floor when he first came back? That first game, I know it's one game, but that first game when he hit four threes in a row, I jumped out of my chair in my recliner. I was fired up about it, and he played pretty damn well. I know they made the bubble entirely to get Zion and some eyes on the games there, but Zion Williamson, with the minutes that he played and the way he was able to score, because that was the question, and the expectations were already through the roof. They were already trying to say, this guy's the next big thing. He's going to be a phenomenal, great player. And I, I tempered those. I said, I don't know how he's going to be. He's definitely going to be good. He's not going to flame out because he's so athletic. He could do a ton of different things. And he looked the part, every bit of it. And yes, he was out of shape. But I think this, I mean, you had Blake Griffin miss his first year in the league. Kind of throw that out. Ben Simmons missed his first year in the league. Throw that out. But you already trying to put an injury prone on this guy and out of shape. Let's throw that shit on Joel Embiid. I don't know where he was ranked in here, but I'm sure he was ranked pretty high. But every single year, he comes in out of shape. He's been injury prone. So why don't we throw that on him? Not a 19-year-old kid who just got into the league and you took the bait because ESPN wanted you to. And I don't think... We should even talk about Zion even being overrated. And I'm, I'm saying just properly rate him. He's as good as advertised. And I'll tell you this. I don't watch preseason basketball. But, Neither do I. But the Pelicans played him for 33 minutes in their first game against the Heat. And he had 26 points and 11 rebounds. That was the third most minutes he's played. So, folks, if the training wheels are off, Ryan Music, and if we're talking about what he's about to do in the near future, Zion Williamson next year, bet. He's going to be a top 10 player on this 100, uh, top 100 rankings list. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We got a few things here. So when we talk about Zion, number one, I agree with you. I don't watch preseason basketball. Um, all I can say is if he is not on a minutes restriction and he is going to be healthy and in shape and ready to play, then that's fantastic. That's great news. Again, all I can say is I like Zion. I think he can be a great player. I hope he succeeds. I think if he succeeds, it's great for the NBA. So there's that. When we talk about last year, especially in that opening game, when I'm going to borrow a couple of things here. What This first one is from Doug Gottlieb, the guy who hosts the show that I produce. There are people in the NBA, he says, are, quote, open for a reason. Every single one of those shots that Zion Williamson took and made, there was no defender within three feet of him. Why? Because he's a rookie who can't shoot, so they leave him open for a reason. So I get it. That's like, fine. You got You got to be willing to take that shot, though. And it's only year that's one. Fine. It's that's only year great. one. That's awesome. But eventually, at some point, if he proves to be good at hitting wide open three pointers, you know what they're not going to do. They're not going to leave him wide open. Which, now, which, which, then he will explode to, to the rim, which is his main, main strength. 
is getting to the rim, and we saw how good he did it last year. So thank God, and hopefully he does start knocking down those at a rapid race, at a rapid pace, because he will be able to get to the rim even easier. Okay. Go on. So well, look, that, that's to be determined. My point is, people are fawning over like, oh look, he can make all these jump shots. Like he was wide open, and, he, and actually, in fairness, he wasn't even actually because there was nobody <laughs> on him. They actually weren't jump shots. He was like standing flat-footed. That's how wide open he was. I don't think now, he jumps. Second, I don't think he jumps on his jump shot though. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so next. Every bad team has a leading scorer, okay? So if we're going to go off of just this points per game thing, and look, I get it. Like, they were a bad team, and then when he came into the lineup, they started winning more games and got into a potential playoff race. I should hope so. He was the number one overall pick. If he, if The idea that, well, the Pelicans were a better team and they won games when he played, like, well, yeah, you would hope that the number one overall pick would help you win games. It really would be tragic if you were a good team. You added the number one overall don't, pick. Don't you don't don't games. do not use the number one overall pick against him. Don't hey, use that against him. But it's part of expectations. Like, yeah. We're making it sound like this guy is some unknown, like, no, we know he's supposed to be good. So he does not he's not as versatile as a Paul George. He doesn't affect people on the defensive side of the ball, and he can't create his own shot. I'm a big fan of Drew Holiday. I think there's a reason why the Bucks went out and gave up the assets that they gave up yeah, to bring great. in a Drew Holiday. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see without a Drew Holiday on the team, and it's going to be more reliant upon just Zion, Brandon Ingram, and I don't I guess they're going to trot Lonzo Ball out there, but, I mean, that guy... It literally was the worst shooter in the entire league last year. So those are the things that are going to be working against them. I mean, Lonzo Ball is great at playmaking. Uh, he's actually pretty good defensively because he's super long and he can distribute the ball well. So maybe that'll work in Zion's advantage. But, I mean, if, if you don't have shooters around him and Lonzo <laughs> isn't able to knock down a jump shot, I struggle to see how effective he could be, especially – in the West, well, I don't know. I, it remains to be seen, but I, I have my doubts at how effective they will be. And I don't know what the gauge for success is because if he's the leading scorer on a bad team, is he really as good as we think he should be? Yeah, there's that whole discussion. I've always, because I think Charles Barkley goes on TNT every year during All-Star Selection Show, and there's always someone who's good on a very bad team that he says doesn't deserve to be an All-Star, but when you watch them play, like DeMarcus Cousins, when he was in Sacramento for I don't know how many years it was, you could watch DeMarcus Cousins and be like, this guy's fucking good. He's obviously yeah. he's obviously an All-Star. He's just on a shit team. And oh, then there's there's oh. other guys, like the Knicks have to have a leading scorer, like you said. But right, who, know, yeah. who really could gauge who's good on the New York Knicks? I don't know at this point. But anyway, Zion's 19. We're not jumping to conclusions. I don't like you putting an injury prone on him and then putting the lazy tag, out of shape tag. Don't do that. I didn't say he was lazy. Okay. I said he was out of shape. Yeah, and but how do, you get out, how do you get out of shape? Well, that's what could be the concern for Zion Williamson is it could be that he's the type of person that falls in and out of shape easily. Because he left the bubble for family reasons for, I don't know, it was like a week or two. And like, maybe he just never went for a jog, but he was clearly very much out of shape in a very short period of time. So I don't think it's because he doesn't work hard. My concern is there could be some type of just, it's the type of person that he is where 
you know, some guys, you know, whether it's like Terrell Owens right now, you see Terrell Owens take a shirt off. The dude's like 45 years old. And I know he probably couldn't actually play an NFL game, but he looks like he could probably play an NFL game. And he did that race where uh, it was like him and Tyreek Hill. And, you know, look, he lost, but you're like, oh, wow, he can still run. Zion takes a week off of the NBA bubble, and you're like, oh, my God, he's, like, winded trying to run one up and down the court, like like one defensive series. Well, dude, I'm not going to judge him off quarantine, okay? I'm not going to judge anyone off quarantine. But let's get into the big news in the NBA. We'll make this quick the next 10 minutes. The biggest news today is Giannis signed the Supermax with the Bucks. Five years, $228 million. I believe there's a player option after year four. But the first thing, when you texted this in the group chat, I said, how long is it going to take in this contract until he tries to get traded? Because that's what every superstar player does at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I semi-jokingly said, I think I said two or three. Year three. Look, the, the, the great thing about Giannis right now is he's at least backed up the fact that he was like, I want to just remain in Milwaukee. And I do think, I don't think it was the only reason that he ended up deciding to stay. But as I said earlier, I you know, I'm a big fan of Drew Holiday. I think he's one of those, he's one of those players in the NBA where, he gets way underrated because he's not on the level of like we we tend to overrate and elevate other guys. Like, look, Trey Young scores a ton of points, but I would rather have a Drew Holiday on my team than I would rather have a Trey Young at this point. You know, yeah. we'll see where Trey Young's at in a few years, but you know, so I think I don't think it's the reason why Giannis ended up deciding to sign that supermax deal, but I do think that he saw. And, you know, the the weird thing fell apart with that Bogdanovich deal. But I do think that he saw that the front office was trying to take some big swings to keep their team in contention because they've been good, but they haven't been able to take that next step in the Eastern Conference. So I think for him, he's at least seeing, hey, you know what? They're willing to go out, take big swings to keep us in contention in the East. And for right now, if, if I absolutely had to bet, I would say – he signs another contract and stays in Milwaukee. I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy to say, I want out. Um, I think he'll try and win in Milwaukee. That would be my guess as of now. I, I also probably would have said the same thing about Anthony Davis at one point. It seemed like he was going to be the guy to try and make it happen in a small market as well, which obviously proved to be incorrect. So I could end up eating my words, but I will say he ends up standing with the Bucks for a long time. I, I'd agree with you, and I think a lot of factors play into that. I think he plays in the Eastern Conference, which is not the conference that LeBron's in. That's a plus. He's also 26 years old. This deal will take him till he's 31 years old, and I would bet that Giannis is probably the best player in the NBA when he's 31 and LeBron is out of the league. So I, I think right now I would agree with you. I think he plays out this contract, and – Giannis seems different. Doesn't it seem different? Like, yeah. apparently the report is out that Woj said he's not really into the super team thing. And he's kind of always been that. He's, I think he said, like, I wouldn't work out with LeBron in the past because he just doesn't want to work out with who he's trying to beat for an NBA championship. So I, I actually like the deal. Of course, it's great for Milwaukee. And, of course, everyone's going to stop talking about, oh, is Giannis going to go to Miami? Is he going to go to Toronto? Is he going to Dallas? So that is the key. So yeah. th- that helps us because I don't want to discuss that. And that's been 
every discussion for every summer, it seems, in the NBA, which is fun at times, but it does get tired. And now I want to yeah. jump to the other superstar. And I'm a huge fan. I've been a hardened stand for a long time. But man, him partying at the beginning of training camp after demanding a trade to Brooklyn first. And now he adds teams like Miami and Milwaukee. And I don't even think Milwaukee wants them. There's a beef right there between Giannis and Harden. Um, so he's doing whatever and anything to try to get out of Houston. And reports were that he wanted to play with John Wall. They have a new head coach, uh, Silas who's probably like, shit, I have to go into this shit storm with <laughs> yeah. DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, and now Harden. Finally, he's going to play tonight, and he's going to speak to the media. We'll see what he says. He's probably going to say all the right things. But do you think Harden gets traded by the end of this season? Oof, by the end of the season? I'm going to go with no. Um, and I, I guess that's probably me just saying I hope he doesn't because this entire story has bugged me to no end. The James Harden thing... He left Oklahoma City because he wanted to be a star on his own team. So the Houston Rockets are willing to take a chance on him and be like, hey, you know what? We, we think you're really good. And he, you know, he was good. He proved that he was more than just the role player bench yeah. guy coming off the bench that he was with Oklahoma City. He was just being outshined. By he's, he, let's, put it, let's put it simply. He's fucking amazing. Yeah, no, he's great. So yeah. like. But my point is, you know, this Houston team goes, hey, you know what? We'll we'll elevate you. We'll take you onto our team. We'll make you the star of our team. And they've done everything they can to try and make him a winner. You know, the whole thing with when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, people always defended him because they said, oh, you know, of course he has to leave. They're a small market team. They don't want to spend big money. They can't get free agents there. All these reasons like, oh, you know what? Yeah, go to Miami, team up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and, you know, play for Pat Riley and live in a place like Miami. Like, it totally makes sense. Well, Houston, ever since James Harden's been there, has tried many different iterations to try and make them successful. Like, and it's always been with him at the focal point. Like, they tried the whole thing with, uh, they used to have Pat Beverly and Clint Capella, and then they tried to change that up. And Chris then they were Paul. like, wow, we need more than just this. So then they did the whole Chris Paul thing. The Chris Paul thing basically worked. If Chris Paul didn't end up getting hurt, then they get rid of Chris Paul. And now they bring in Russell Westbrook. Now they've gotten rid of Russell Westbrook. It's like the organization is doing everything they can in terms of roster moves, giving up assets, making big trades making you one of the highest, if not the highest paid players in the league, he's going to make like, oh, it's like almost 40 million a year this season. Yeah. So it's like, you, you can't sit there and say that the organization hasn't literally done everything they can to try and make this team a contender. Specifically, it's not like he's a super easy player. He's not like Steve Nash, where he's just like, yeah, man, give me the ball, give me some players and we'll just run a system and I'll dish it out and make it work. Like you have to very specifically get a very certain type of system and players to fit around him in order for James Harden to be the player that he can be. And they've done that for him and they've paid him well. And he's still just like, you know what? I'm out. Like, come on, dude. That's so soft and so weak. It bugs me to no end. (laughs) So I hope he stays in Houston. I hope that they don't give in. Cause that's the other thing that's bugged me about NBA teams. And like, look, hand up. I will admit it. I'm a Lakers fan. I will accept that it worked out in the Lakers' favor because Anthony Davis forced his way off of a team and it led to the Lakers winning a championship. So I will, I will admit that hypocrisy. 
but I am tired of these NBA players just deciding like, oh, I know you, I'm, you know, you've paid me all this money and I'm supposed to be here trying to help the team win and everything. But uh, now that I just don't feel like being here and I'd rather go to a team that's good, I'm going to make you guys absolutely awful by being the only star on this team and I'm just going to demand a trade and leave you high and dry. So I'm I'm over the whole players demanding a trade out of these situations. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And if Houston is going to trade him, they're not going to trade him to where he wants to go. Like, why right. should he get to pick where he wants to go? And I think it's hilarious that he doesn't have a no-trade clause, which is beautiful because they could really trade him yeah. to any place that he doesn't want to go, which would be a beautiful thing. And there's probably a team out there that they could get a nice package because right now you've only heard Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, I think, would be a great – I think it's the best deal on the table right now that teams have. I don't think Miami, Tyler Hero, that would be weak. Uh, what right. Brooklyn would even offer, Karis LeVert and a couple of other guys, Dinwiddie, that wouldn't be great. So, yeah, Houston should just stay pat. Or they should say, all right, fuck you, because you couldn't get us to the NBA Finals anyways. <laughs> so we're going to send you to Sacramento. Shout out Devin. Devin would probably like that, but he's probably not yeah. going to sign an extension there, and he'd probably be even more pissed off going to Sacramento. But yeah, that's I, to- I totally agree. Uh, we're on the same page with this one. Before we go, I want to knock out some NBA futures odds. Today, the big news was that all the MVP bets are coming in on Luka Doncic. So now he's the, he's the favorite at plus 400. After him is Giannis plus 450. Then you got Steph at plus 750. AD, 800. LeBron plus 850. And then Kawhi's plus 1400. KD plus 1500. Harden plus 1500. Is there anyone on the outside that you think should get a nod? And who would you go? Would you say, Luka, it should be the odds-on favorite to win the MVP? I'm not going to go with Luka. I think, uh, look, I think he's... Uh, <laughs> he's not a flash. He's not what your brother called him—a flash in the pan. All right. No, no, he's not a flash in the pan. That's what I was laughing about. Uh, I think he's proven that he's going to be a real NBA player, and I think at some point in his career, he probably will end up winning a regular season MVP. I'm just going based off of what the NBA tends to be, which is a storylines league, and I don't know if they will be good enough. Um, because I think, obviously, the Lakers are going to be on top of the West. The Clippers should be on top of the West. I guess the Mavs can be right in there around, like, 3-4, which may be enough. But usually it tends to go to a better team or a really good storyline, like when Russell Westbrook, even though they were the eight seed, was, like, putting up triple doubles. So I'm going to go with, I think, like, Steph Curry yeah. is going to be a great value here. And I actually tried riding this wave last year, and then he got hurt. Same, I was, on, I was on that page. Yeah, and I'm so think, bummed that we don't get to see the Warriors at full strength. I know, I know. And uh, Clay Thompson getting hurt is absolutely brutal. But I think, you know, Steph has such a likability factor. And the – I don't know. It's like using the quote-unquote the media. But I do think, generally speaking – the media tends to like Steph. I don't really think that you could argue that. So I feel as though if he stays healthy and the Warriors are mildly successful and he's able to do it without Clay Thompson and without Kevin Durant and he's able to put up big numbers like we know Clay can or like we know Steph can, I think they'll sort of go that direction, which leads me to I would also um because people like a good comeback and they want to see how it all plays out. I'd be willing – I feel like Kevin Durant's good value because if he comes back relatively healthy 
and can be the Kevin Durant that we know he is and he can put up over 30 a game. And he talked about, depending on what his role is with the team, he may be, have to be more of a defensive presence. I could see that being the narrative because yeah. the NBA is such a league that's so big on narratives. I think that they'd be looking for that Steph Curry comeback, Kevin Durant comeback type of storyline to yeah. push the MVP vote that direction. And Giannis, obviously, it'd be tough for them to give him the award three straight times. Yeah. Um, totally. I actually like Kawhi Leonard at plus 1,400. I know a lot of people don't like the Clippers, but I think the Clippers after the sh- really the mess that happened last yeah. year and their devastating 3-1 deficit blow to the Denver Nuggets. And Kawhi, he's never won an MVP award. So maybe Kawhi yeah. just comes out in this 72-game season and says, all right, I'm going to play every day because I got shit on all off season about all the perks I had in this article that came out in The Athletic. So I'm going to just go full-blown Kawhi Leonard like you saw me in the playoffs two years ago, but I'm going to have a regular season like that. And maybe I'm the top guy, and if they could get that number one seed over the Lakers – and Kawhi Leonard does average like 28 points a game, I think Kawhi could be that guy. So plus 1,400, that's good value. Yeah, no, it's definitely great value for what you're getting at. My only thing would be is I would be way too scared to commit to something like that, knowing that he is like the poster child for load management. And I I like the logic that he'll try and buck the trend based off of all the bad press that he received. But he just seems like he's not that type of guy to care at all. <laughs> he doesn't give so a shit. So I think he would just be like, I don't care what they say. I know how good I am and I know what works for me in my body. I'm only going to play 55 or 60 games this year. Um, so that's that would give me pause. But it would be interesting, especially like you said, based off of when you talk about narratives and storylines, how disappointing their season was last year. If he does come out and just be like, forget it, I'm going 100 the whole time and I'm going to show everyone that I'm the best two-way player in the league. I can see people latching onto that. Uh, Let's move to championship odds to round this pod out. Lakers, the odds on favorite, plus 275. I think it's Lakers or the field. I really think the Lakers are that dominant. We saw what they did last year and just the first year with AD and LeBron. They made terrific pickups this offseason. Montrez Harrell, Mark Gasol, Dennis Schroeder, they obviously got younger. I think they're going to be better. But behind that, you got the Clippers at plus 550, the Bucks at plus 550, Nets plus 600. I like the Celtics at plus 1300. I'm obviously a Duke fan. I'm a Jason Tatum stan. And if you want to know his MVP odds, I think they're like 2000 i wouldn't mind jumping on that ship but hey, did you see that he grew apparently they're yeah. saying he's like 610 six, now 610 what about that Ugh. so yeah i those are the odds i would i seriously think it's fair to ask the question lakers of the field that's how we're gonna end lakers of the field yeah yeah i would definitely say so the one thing that would give me pause about the lakers is I know we've, other than the one year, his first year in L.A., LeBron has been insanely healthy his entire career. But given the unique nature of this season where they had to play so late into the calendar and they're starting so soon, I don't know. I I know they haven't played Anthony Davis and LeBron in the preseason, preseason, and they probably won't at all. I wouldn't be surprised if neither of them play a single minute. Um, I know the NBA... uh, on Christmas Day is going to be a huge thing. So I know that they're going to have to play that game. I just don't know what their load management is going to be like early in the season. And I would be concerned 
that the Lakers are going to deal with some type of injuries just based off of fatigue and age. Now, outside of that, if you were to say that they're just going to stay healthy all season, yeah, I think it's absolutely Lakers versus the field. And as I've mentioned previously, I like what the Bucks have done. So I do think the Bucks are going to be a really strong team in the East. I don't know what to make of Brooklyn because Kyrie Irving could wake paper, up. Kyrie Irving could wake up tomorrow morning and say, "Fuck it, I don't want to play anymore." I, I, I seriously knows? think I, Kyrie Irving. This is crazy, but I think it's in play. I think Kyrie Irving is a guy that could say, I'm hanging up my shoes yeah. and I'm retiring from basketball. Uh, yeah, I actually wouldn't be shocked at all. Like, I'd be surprised. Like, oh, wow, he actually didn't. But it wouldn't <laughs> yeah. totally catch me off guard. I'd be like, yeah, I see it. I believe it. Um, but I just don't know in terms of, obviously, we think Kevin Durant should translate just fine. I mean, he's never been, for how big and long and his size – he's athletic, but he's never been the Russell Westbrook explosive type athlete to where he's super reliant on his athleticism. So you should expect his game should translate well off of the Achilles. Um, But just the dynamic between him and Kyrie is going to be so interesting to see how it plays out. And Steve Nash, I mean, like, do I think Steve Nash could be a great coach? Yeah, sure. I guess I suppose he could, but he's totally unproven and he's never done it before. So you have the two of those guys who are drama going with the new first year head coach, and add into the fact that other than LeBron and AD, almost every super team in their first year doesn't really work out when it's all new pieces. The Heat, I guess, even though they didn't end up winning at all, were somewhat successful. But you would imagine you need to get some type of cohesion going. I mean, look what happened with the Clippers. And you talk about two guys that people question their leadership and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and it ended up showing later on in the season. So I'm hesitant on Brooklyn. Um, I do really want to see what becomes of the Mavs because, you know, Luka Doncic was such a great story and they were so competitive, but realistically, I mean, they didn't beat the Clippers. So they lost pretty early in the playoffs. So the Mavs who a team were all high on, I don't know what the deal is with Porzingis. I mean, it was such a, he was such a unique, you know, they always call him the unicorn or whatever, but like the guy can't stay healthy. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you, if Luka Doncic is really the type of player who can put up a regular season MVP type thing and also try and carry a team through the playoffs. It's really hard to do. I mean, there's how many players actually end up doing that. I mean, we talked about Russell Westbrook the year that he did the, triple double or any of the years he averaged a triple double the whole time and it doesn't result in much playoff success um so you're the warriors losing clay i don't think that steph curry is going to average 45 a game so would you love steph but he's a defensive liability that's what they needed clay for so i don't know if they'll have enough enough of a full roster to really contend with the lakers and then the clippers i don't know i are you leaning? Are you leaning? The, are you leaning the field or the Lakers? I, I would go. I'd definitely go Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I, I think it's the Bucks or Lakers. If I had to put my money anywhere, I would put it on that being the matchup yeah. in the NBA Finals. Yeah, totally. We have one minute left, and I'm going to ask you, what's your Ooh, fa- what's your favorite Christmas movie? My favorite Christmas movie. It's going to be The Grinch. Yeah. Jim Carrey. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is great. It's just so good. It's yeah, so it's good, dude. His little uh, mannerisms in that movie are just terrific. I know, I know. And who doesn't love Max? Yeah, 
I mean, he's mean to him, but that's how it goes. Well, anyways, that was a great podcast with Ryan Music. You can follow me on Twitter at 10after7 or Ryan on Twitter at Music Reports. Ryan, I want to thank you. Can't thank you enough for joining the podcast. Always Oh, man, thanks for having me. Anytime, bud. Great times. 